right, set that aside. We are in Galatians chapter 5, and we have been talking about walking in the Spirit, and we talked about what we put in our minds. We've spent a lot of time on that, not only in this series, but in other series, and I I hope that it helps us to... um, to gain insight. However, this is a big however. If you think too much about what you should be thinking on, sometimes it causes too much self-awareness. Now think about that. And self-awareness is not healthy even if it's in this process. So I don't want to say that wrongly. My son, uh, they went up to bat on uh, Tuesday. They played Monday night, and then uh, they played again Tuesday night. Some of our guys play on on two leagues. And my son uh, didn't get a hit either night. And he made this comment. He said, I started thinking too much about the swing. And it causes you not to have the natural aspect of it. So how much better is it for the Holy Spirit to control us and this becomes the natural fiber of our lives rather than us sometimes putting in a, um, a human effort into this walking in the Spirit? Uh, And I've said this before, sometimes we're trying to do what's right rather than trusting to do what's right. And to know the difference is sometimes difficult. But to be freed so that you don't even, uh, in implementing these things that we're talking about, that we don't use the energies of the flesh to accomplish it, we're using the energies of the Spirit to accomplish it. Now... That being said, I'm saying, I'm sure all of us are saying, yeah. But how does that happen? That would be a $10,000 question, wouldn't it? How does it happen where you change to the energies of the spirit rather than the energies of the flesh, even in the aspects of wanting to do what's right? Sometimes we find ourselves putting ourselves under the law rather than on top of the law. To be under the law means that the law is suppressing you and you begin to do things because of the law. Rather than using the law as a foundation of right and wrong and you're under the Spirit and you're letting the Spirit guide you and you're asking God what He would have you to do. Um, I don't know how to describe this any better than what I'm doing because I'm not sure I totally have an answer for it. Isn't that awful to tell you that? But I've been pondering that, that sometimes knowing what to do and then trying to use what you know to do sometimes doesn't accomplish what it's intended to do. Because we're wrapped up into ourselves in that process. Rather than being free to 
really worship God, to love God, and to love others. Sometimes it's our motivation that causes us to go that way. Well, I don't want God to bonk me over the head, or I want things to turn out well, or I don't want to have this discouragement, or I, I, really, I really want to, to live the victorious life because that way I'll feel happy and be satisfied with what's going on in my life. Rather than really coming to these things and having a selfless attitude where truly we want to worship, we want to love God, and we want to help others on their journey more important than what's going on in our own lives. I really believe that if we can come to that, which is the basis of the, of the law, isn't it? To love God and to love others. If we can come really to that place, Ernie, uh, but it's hard sometimes because we are flesh. And the flesh is still trying to control us. There's a verse we're going to look at in just a moment where it goes into that. Does anybody have any comment that they would like to add to that tonight? Or did I just go so deep theologically that you can't even see the window at the top of the stairs? <laughs> I'm not saying I went deep. I went into a pondering question. <laughs> I, think, I think we're kind of all that way is we get so wrapped up in, and, and, and in our instructions... Uh, and which is good. I mean, instruction is a part of the Word of God. But, but as he started here in Galatians, and we started this quite a while ago about this spiritual warfare and then this walking in the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, when we went up into verse 13, it said there, For brethren, we have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for the occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. And in reality, I think the, the outcome of all of this and what God works on my heart is that I have my agenda. And I need to have His agenda. And I, I would say that most of us say we, we want His agenda. I pray every day that God would order my steps. I pray every day that God would make me sensitive to what's going on in the lives of others so that I can be a blessing to that, that person. I pray those things every day. But there's a, so much of, uh, much of self. I mean, Bob, remember we had lunch one time and, and, and you said, uh, well, Pastor, the, the main problem is you got too much self in you. You remember that conversation? I wanted to deck him right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I haven't forgot that because brothers sharpen brothers. And when we're honest with each other and when we have the liberty to be honest with each other, then we can come alongside and help one another. And so I've been pondering that, uh, Bob, for a long time. And if we were all to be honest with ourselves, we would probably find that there's more self in us than we realize. We like our pampering. We like our good things. And I was talking to a pastor the other day, and he says, it's not about money, but I do like nice things. <laughs> you know? So I'm not sure if there's a fine line between those two aspects because it takes money to buy nice things. You know what I mean? You don't worship it. You don't worship it. Yeah, you don't worship it. There is just something very liberating about loving God and loving others. And I told you a while back that it was about 10 years ago 
that I felt his arms wrapped around me. And that was, that was a wonderful experience, Carolyn, such that you never want to lose his arms wrapped around you. Now, has his arms been wrapped around me be, uh, for all the time? Yeah. He, I mean, he's holding on to me. You know, he's holding on to you and everything. But some of us maybe have a hard time understanding that love of God, that he, he, who he is to us. And, uh, and so when we talk about this spiritual walk, there's a verse and we'll get to it. So let me, let me just uh, get into this lesson. And, and if you ponder this, I, I would like you to write down that, that comment. Is, is how do we take what we know and apply it through the energies of the Spirit rather than the energies of the flesh? It's got to be faith. It's got to be trust. And faith is what overcomes it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Maybe that's why it's hard for us. But faith is the victory that overcometh this world. And so there's the faith, there's that belief, there's that reality of God. Maybe sometimes we might not truly believe it. That's possible. Um, or selfish motives. Well, let's, let's look at these verses tonight and just kind of see what it is. Because a lot of the things that we're going to talk with at the beginning here is how we calculate how we calculate. Okay, so he uses Greek words about calculation. All right, so let's, let's go ahead. And tonight, uh, we, we says, what does it look like? Okay, I mean, how do you really know you're walking in the spirit or in the flesh? And it is very obvious by the list that's given in Galatians chapter 5. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's, that's the onset, isn't it? Is the Holy Spirit is guiding us rather than us guiding our lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. You know this warfare. And the Spirit gives us desires. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Remember that verse? He is going to put desires in your heart that are the opposite of the sinful nature desires. We should know these these are diametrically opposed to each other. And maybe we've not distinguished it enough because we're too much straddling a line. Remember what God said to the uh, Laodicean church? I'd rather you hot or cold. When you're lukewarm, you make uh, you make me sick. Maybe there's more lukewarmness in us than we realize. A heart that's just in love with God. Do you know, does anybody here know someone that their heart is just in love with God? Now, there's some people sitting here tonight. I believe that. You ever find someone that just outshines? Are you thinking of someone, Janie? Who's that? (laughs) Same one I was thinking about. Fred and Flo Stahl. How many know them? A couple of you do. I I mean, just... I mean, every word out of her mouth is praising the Lord and just, you know, I'll talk about something. She says, well, I'll pray about that right now. She prays right then. I mean, time I finish a phone conversation, she's prayed for me at least four or five times. You know, she's just in love with the Lord. I mean, the Lord has the ownership of her life. You know, and there's folks here, I believe. And I don't want to point out anyone because if I started doing that, you'd feel bad, all right? All right, so... 
the desires, are opposite of sinful nature. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So because we have this flesh, there's always going to be this warfare. So there's always going to be these struggles until you die, until you shed this flesh. All right? He says in uh, verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. It's not about doing this or doing that. It's letting God direct you in your life. And maybe we've had a hard time getting away from the do's and don'ts and um, therefore we're still children having someone tell us what we should do, what we shouldn't do, rather than listening to the Spirit speaking to our hearts. Wayne? Well, that's a little confusing to me because the Ten Commandments are specific. Yes. But that, that's really our law. Yes. This, and then the New Testament says, well, you know, the law is okay, but you really need to do things a little different. Okay. Good question, you know, because did, did Jesus Christ come to do away with the law? No. He came to what? Boy, you guys are theologians tonight. Fulfill the law. You're right. Okay. So now we have to ask ourselves, so he fulfilled the law. What was the purpose of the law? It's a schoolmaster to show us who Christ is. And what Christ was going to do on the cross. And all that took place with his, his sacrifice as the high priest. And him shedding his blood and all these things. And showing us that Christ has fulfilled the law. Because when he died on the cross, he fulfilled the law. So in him, all the law has been fulfilled. And in reality, uh, that's why you're no longer under the law. But it's the, it's the schoolmaster, but what else is the law for? There's three reasons why the, the, the law was given. Yes? Okay. There is, okay, I'll bring that in the aspect that the law was given to Israel as the uh, constitution and bylaws of a, of a theocracy. In other words, this was how they were supposed to run their nation. This was how they were supposed to, uh, to, to be orderly and everything. So just like we have laws today, that there's rights and wrongs. If we didn't have speed limits on I-5, what would happen? Probably not much more, but, uh, you know, you don't know, you know. But laws are intended for bad people or people that need to have some constraints put on them. Okay, that's the third thing, which is the law was to show you that you were a sinner, that you needed a Savior. You know, I would not have known sin but by the law. All right? So laws are there for the lawless. A suggestion? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, God does not change. So, His moral laws are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, there's a moral aspect of the law and there's a civil aspect of the law. Okay? The moral law is, is actually written in our hearts. And when you get saved, the Holy Spirit actually guides you in those things that are right and wrong. 
And truly, the Word of God helps us to see that. And as a child, you do learn those things through teachings and, and all that. But when you would catch your children putting their hand in the cookie jar, and you say, Johnny, what are you doing? You ever see the guilt on their face? They say yeah, they say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> We used to say, whatever you're doing, stop it, you know. But, but the idea is that there is a conscience in every person. And that conscience is stirred by the law. Because the law shows us what's right and wrong and, and it condemns us. The law actually condemns a man because they can't fulfill it. So there's, there's, there's these three aspects of the law. The ceremonial law in, in that is the, the schoolmaster of Jesus Christ. You see all that in there. The, uh, the ceremonial law and the moral law was the governess of Israel. And today we have a law that's written in our hearts that is not contrary to the scriptures. In other words, you don't become lawless. But what it said here is that you're not under this, this law, but use your liberty. You've been liberated from the law. You're not condemned by the law. You're not going to be judged by the law because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, he says, uh, serve one another. In verse 14, it says, for the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, that thou love thy neighbor as thyself. So here, and that's what Jesus said. He says, all this law is fulfilled in this, that you love God and you will love others. Our missionary... Um, the Craigs, they would, uh, they said we have two laws in our home as raising the parents. You love God and you love others. And that's what we need to grow in. What's happened to us sometimes is we get caught up in our regulations or, or things like that. And we've misplaced the higher law, which is the law of love. Uh, does the law of love come natural? No. It's much easier to obey, say, a stop sign that says stop or go 65 miles an hour, it's much easier to obey that than to obey the law of love, to love the unlovely. And for God uh, setting that example to us. So uh, I don't know sure if I answered all of Wayne's questions. Does anybody want to chime in on this? Or are we, are we going so much into all this stuff that your, your mind is is uh, not certain the latter. Truly, the law was given to show them who God is and what God was going to do through His Son coming as the Messiah. Um, we, in our culture, and probably most cultures in the world, are taught to work uh, for uh, things, and we have regulations, and we have rules, and we have all these things. And so that becomes very natural in our lives. And that's why many religions grow uh, today is because it fits their nature. All religions, apart from Christianity, when I say Christianity, I'm talking about salvation in Christ alone. 
all religions have their basis on works because it fits naturally with the thinking process. And so, even as born-again believers, sometimes we have a hard time stepping out of works and walking by faith because we've been so ingrained with this aspect of rules and regulations and works. And in reality, we can feel more comfortable there because we can see it. It's more tangible. It's more black and white. To walk by faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it's walking blindly, asking the Holy Spirit to lead you. It's not a law for me to stop and witness to Wayne. But it might be a demand of God through the Holy Spirit saying, stop and talk to Wayne. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference between what I read in the Bible as far as thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that, versus going through life and the Holy Spirit says, stop and talk to Wayne, just like he did Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. So as we're walking by faith, which is walking in the Spirit, is that we're listening to his promptings to what he wants us to do. And last week we talked about that walking away from God can be as simple as not listening to what God is telling you to do. And sometimes we are so caught up with our rules and regulations that we haven't attuned our ears to listen that God says, Hey, why don't you go and help Steve Rice with this move in his house? Okay, Lord, if that's what you want me to do. And sometimes we've gotten so disobedient that we haven't heard the voice of God. And it is so important for us to be able to listen to what He's telling us to do because that's walking in the Spirit. That's letting the, the Spirit directed. You see it? But when we are directed by the Spirit, we are not under the obligation of the laws. Do you think the Spirit will ever direct you to do something contrary to, to what God has in His moral fibers? Never. Never. And I've had people come up to me and say, you know, I think God told me to do this. I said, God didn't tell you to do that. That's contrary to God. That's an easy, that's a no-brainer. But for us to be sensitive, this is is what we're trying to get at here, is for all of us to to be uh, listening to what God has for us to to do and, 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 and lead our lives. If we be led by the Spirit, we will not... Uh, fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, all I can say to you is if you love God, you listen. You pay attention. Yes, we get guidance from the Scriptures because the the flesh is coming along and saying like uh, Satan, has God really said that? Where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. You're not really going to die. And so your flesh is always trying to tell you things that are contrary to the scriptures to rob you of being able to understand what is the spirit saying. So I encourage you, you know, I, 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 you know, I've been a pastor for 37 years. And I would say most of us in this room even. Have too many decisions that are based on what we want to do versus what God wants us to do. And all I can encourage you is you will never miss out on the blessings of the Lord if you just listen and obey. What's that song we sing? 
When you walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Yeah, obedience is better than sacrifice. Isn't that? That's a, that was a principle that was given to uh, uh, Samuel and Saul there when Saul was disobedient there. There's a word that has, and maybe I can express it this way. The law is, I have to do it. The spirit is, I want to do it. That's love. Love is, I want to do it. Uh, when Janie... Uh, breaks something. There's a struggle that goes on in my mind. I have to help her. I want to help her. When it comes into saying, I have to help her, guess what's speaking? The flesh. When I want to help her, guess what's speaking? The love of God. Do you see the difference? This is why a lot of Christians burn out. This is why a lot of pastors give up. This is why we can become weary in well-doing. Because I have to do this. Or I get to do this. How many struggle with that? Can I see your hands? Mm. Both hands. Yeah. Do you see me struggling with that with you, honey? Do you ever struggle that way with me? Oh, sh- do you do you get more of what I'm I, and may, maybe that's a better illustration to understand of walking by faith, walking in love, because what's the first fruit of the spirit? Love. What's the second fruit of the spirit? Joy. What's the third fruit of the spirit? Peace. What's the fourth fruit of the spirit? Long suffering. What's the next fruit of the spirit? Does that sound like have to or want to? See, that's the difference of the flesh and the spirit. That's why you can notice these results that's in our lives. And and that helps us to understand how much selfishness we have in us because we have to do these things. Even coming to church, I have to come to church. What you've done is you've put yourself under the law and you're making decisions on the law based rather than based on the spirit. Okay, Bob? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to heaven, folks. We are the most privileged people in the world. Soon. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully before the elections. Amen. 
That's it. That's it. Yeah. If, if, if we can grab ownership of this and how it practically plays out in our lives, then we will be able to address it possibly in a better fashion. Because we then begin to recognize it will always, when, 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 when Janie breaks something, and it's usually not her that breaks something, usually I break something, but I, you know, so just picking on her tonight, but I, having her struggles with a computer or, or, I guess you do break things, don't you? Yeah. Uh, the flesh climbs up on your shoulder and said, isn't she a bother? The Spirit, depending on which voice you're listening to, you love her infinitely. And which voice do you listen to? I'm just telling you that, that you know, when we begin to identify, because this is what tonight's about, is how do you identify? Because he says in here, in verse... Uh, uh, 19, now the works of the flesh. The idea is that word works is the idea of employment. Like if you say, where do you work? What is the occupation? What is your business? What are you known for? Okay, so he's saying, are you open for business for the flesh? Or are you going to be open for business for the Spirit? And there's a warfare that goes on. And then he says, it's manifest. That is the visible sign. Open for the flesh. And it it reveals itself. And you and I should be able to very clearly, as it says there, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are what? Very clear. The verses that I'm going into next reiterate this time and time and time again. But if we are the kind of people that's just kind of walking through life and we've been amused and uh, just getting used to not thinking about what's going on in our lives or not realizing how the flesh is trying to gain ownership of your thinking process, you won't even recognize these things and you won't see yourself. But I believe, as, as Bob said, is the closer we get to the Lord, the more we love the Lord, the more we recognize those things. And I'll tell you what, I've had to get on my knees time and time again and ask God to forgive me. And I've tried to catch myself, Mike, of stop saying I have to do this. Because I find that I'm speaking my heart, because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when I say I have to do this, and when I get in this mind, I have to do this. Rather than I get to do this. I want to do this. It shows me. Someone said everyone is as, lives as close to the Lord as he chooses. He's as close to the Lord as he chooses yeah. to You know, and maybe and some people don't recognize that. That they've made a choice not to put themselves close to the Lord. Because they're afraid maybe God's going to require too much from them. And they don't realize the benefits of walking with the Lord. You know, the average Christian, what's that? It's the devil's lie. When you look at this list here, he says it's going to be manifest. It's going to be made clear. There's the sexual sins. There's the superstitious sins. And there's the social sins. 
that he lists here. And when you go through this list, and we will in just a minute, uh, probably next week, you, you, and then you get down to the fruit of the Spirit, it's a no-brainer. But I'm going to tell you, the devil, Brother Mike, the devil has deceived so many people, including all of us to some degree, to be sold out for the Lord and to experience who He is and to understand Him and to love Him. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a great life. You could ask Job that. What it means is you trust the Lord and you love the Lord and it's all about Him. It's not about you. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If a man sows to the flesh, he'll of the flesh reap destruction. And if a man sows to the Spirit, he'll reap life everlasting. And, and that verse is, by the way, given to Christian people. So understand that he's talking about having the abundant life and enjoying the abundant life or reaping destruction and the difficulties of this flesh. This flesh wants to destroy itself. Let's look at some of these verses. I, I hope that uh, um, we, we've gotten into this. Uh, we talked about last week about this mindset this mindset, and we ask ourselves this, are we thinking about those things that are true and those things that are, that are um, uh, where am I on my notes here? Uh, uh, yeah, 4.8. What sort of things are honest? Or The word honest means honorable. Is this really honorable? I ask myself that. These, this is a good list to ask ourselves. Uh, what sort of things are just? That's the word for righteous. What sort of things are pure? That's uh, talking about chase, pure, pure thoughts. What sort of things are lovely? That is the word for acceptable. Uh, what sort of things are of a good report, which means well-spoken? This is a good report. This is well-spoken. If there be any virtue, that's talking about moral excellence. If there be any praise, he says think. The word think there is the word to dwell it's to calculate. It's an accounting term. Account on these things. Calculate these things. Uh, put these things in the calculations. The devil wants you to put into your calculations the negative devil thinking, the stinking thinking that is, that is destructive to your well-being. 1 Corinthians 10. Though we walk in the flesh. And what he's saying here. Now this is, catch this. He's not saying that this is the uh, habit of your life. This is the behavior of life. He's not using it this way here. So understand when he uses it in Galatians chapter 5 about walking in the flesh. He's using it the idea of that's the behavior. He's saying here though we walk in the flesh. In other words what he's saying is you're going to be walking in this world. Guess what's with you. Your flesh is, okay? So there's a difference. So understand, you're not yielding to it, but it's your companion. <laughs> we do not war after the flesh. This is very, very key. In other words, and, and this goes into what I asked at the very beginning. That word war is the word for strategy. So even though I have a companion here, which is really an enemy, it's trying to take on ownership of my mind. 
I'm not going to defeat it by strategizing through its own calculations. I cannot defeat the flesh through my understanding of doing this through some type of action. Uh, He says, for the weapons, now he's talking about these tools, these instruments of this warfare. So he's saying there in verse 3, you've got this companion You're not going to be able to destroy this companion. You're not going to be able to destroy the strategies by a carnal way of thinking. And basically, carnal way of thinking is a selfish way of thinking. Uh, Lost people uh, put parameters around them. Maybe some people put parameters around them so that they walk the straight and narrow. Well, the way to walk the straight and narrow is is to be Spirit-led. Putting parameters there, as Colossians tells us, might have some good sense. In other words, you put up the playpen uh, um, sides so the baby doesn't fall out. But it has to come to a place where that baby can walk without training wheels or ride a bike without training wheels. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes in infancy, as a born-again believer, we help our brothers and sisters along by encouraging them. You know, that's maybe not a good way because maybe uh, their listening skills to the Holy Spirit are deficient. And so God allows good people to come alongside to help them on their walk. But if we train people that that's what's going to be the parameters to help them in their walk, they'll never be able to walk in spiritual maturity. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? <laughs> so, so somehow we've got to make a transition to take off the training wheels. And that's really our goal to help people to mature spiritually so that they're able to follow not you, not your religion, but their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes teenagers don't get that. Because they're still in the home factory and they're being told what to do and they're, they're setting these parameters and things like that. And, and sometimes you have to set parameters for teenagers. Is that not correct? I mean, they say that the frontal part of the brain is the last to develop and that's the cognitive uh, aspect of knowing that there are consequences for doing stupid stuff. And spiritually, sometimes it's that way too. But when we come to the place where we're being led by the Spirit, then we'll find the joy of our service. And you have it at times. You, you've all been there at times, haven't you? You know what I'm talking about and the difference of this and even how you might respond to your wife or to someone in the church or the pastor or, or uh, a deacon or something like that. So here he says that for the weapons, these tools, these instruments of this strategy, they're not of the flesh, but they're mighty. He's saying, listen to, to me, the, 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 the ability to win this warfare is so great. It's so strong. It says, uh, 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 but mighty through who? God. To the pulling down, that word is the dem- demolition of these strongholds. And the word strongholds is, is the word for castles. 
And possibly in your life, you might have some castles in your life that the flesh and this world and Satan have come into and they've taken up residency. It could be a bad habit. It could be a thinking process. It could be something, but it's a castle. It's a stronghold. And say, man, I don't want to, I don't want to do those drugs anymore. I don't want to do that alcohol anymore. I don't want to do that pornography anymore. And it's, it's a stronghold there. And he says, man, if you're going to defeat that stronghold, you're not going to be able to do it through the fleshly methods. The only way you're going to be able to do this is what he says in verse five. You've got to cast down. You've got to throw away the word imagination comes from the Greek word log, log, logistics which is the, uh, the word computations, you've got, to co- you've got to get rid of these computations that your flesh has brought into your mind to build this stronghold. And the thinking process is that this enemy is too big for, for, for me. It's not too big for God. You've got to get rid of that computation. And every high thing, that is that making itself bigger than God. Man, I just can't do this. I can't do this. God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is not a liar. That means God is able to destroy the castles of your stronghold. And it's through these imaginations or these computations that is sitting there. And you don't even realize how that, that these fleshly techniques that are being put out there and sometimes christian counselors give fleshly techniques that is not giving you the strength that you really need to overcome these things yes Should you be scared? He's writing this to Christians. The only people that can do what he's telling you to do here is a Christian. And so Christians have strongholds. Everyone in this room probably has a stronghold in their life. Identifying that stronghold and then what's feeding that stronghold and you get rid of the the computations to that stronghold. Sometimes... Worrying about the stronghold can cause you to be captured by the stronghold. Your confidence can't be in, I might be able to do this, I might not be able to do this. What what are you putting? You're putting your, your strength in your flesh. But having confidence in a God who's able to, to, uh, what is it? Jude says, now unto him who's able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless. See, in your mind, and your flesh is, oh, you've fallen this time, you've fallen this time, you're never going to get over this. You're, look at what's happening to you. And you're never, and, you, and God says, I can't, you can do it. He's able to keep you from falling. And that word able is the word dynamite. He has the dynamite to keep you from falling. Somehow, some way, our computation is wrong. And we need to change that computation. Um, 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 uh, Sandy, first hand up. It's it. 
we and, and, and you know we've put so many pieces in this presentation about we, we remember the message I preached on this spiritual warfare is that Christians have an identity crisis. They don't realize who they are. And standing your ground, uh, Sandy, is that exact thing. That aorist tense. I am a child of the King. I have been redeemed. I have been sanctified. I have uh, been reconciled unto Him. So, stand our ground. The devil's trying to push you over. It's not going to work and, and everything like that. So... Yes. Uh, let's go with um, 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 uh, Deanna. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He says, cast down these computations, which is trying to make your flesh, making Satan, making this world bigger than God. And you've got to come to understand, and I think we all do here, but we've got to do it here, that God is big enough to take care of us. And truly, remember when we went to the mind and having gaining greater ownership of the mind, those many things, the the strengths of the, the strengthening your mind, which was prayer, the word of God, praise, the help from above church and all those things, those are things we bring in our, our lives that we can, we can come back to, the truth of God's Word, because the devil's trying to sell you a lie. He's the father of lies. He's trying to lie to you, and you've got to recognize the counterfeit that's out there and replace it with truth. The truth, knowing the truth will set you free. So when I get discouraged, I, this year I've been putting into the places of the verses you know, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift my soul unto thee. I'm going to tell you something. You get to focus on those things and you begin to praise the Lord. And you focus on, and you got to, you got to, you gotta, when it says cast down, he means throw it away. And, and listen, if you had a, if you had a molten hot rock in your hand, how quick are you going to hold on to it? How quick can we let it go? Don't let these computations gain entrance in your mind. And oftentimes, if they're a stronghold, man, they have really learned how to work. You identify it and you cast it down. And the quicker you cast it down by the truth of God's word, the more liberty you'll have. Bob? Yeah. Here. Yes. Absolutely. Because God's word is consistent. Yep.
Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Amen. That's how my dad quit. Yeah. Yeah. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Uh, let's get Margaret. She had a hand up. The devil whispers in your ears. See, it doesn't work. You've got to cast down that vain imagination that exalts itself against who God is because it's not God who failed. I failed. God's plan always works. We failed. There's a statement of... Uh, I can't even think of it right now, but, but we... God's plans never fail. We fail God's plan. So... In the flesh, we fail with God's plan. It seems to me the key to everything is knowing what the Word says. You know, knowing what the Word says is foundational. And then listening to the Spirit, and, and, and you will you will just discover. Wayne? Okay, and this is this is this is very consistent in the Bible, and, and 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 we talked about this at one time. When these verses are used that way, that word, and they that do these things, it is in the present tense, which means that this that the present tense is always the tense that you're living in. So that is the tense of character. So this is saying this is the character of your life. Not that you did it once or did it seven times. A just man falls seven times. Or God said to Peter, not just seven times you forgive a person, but you forgive him 490 times. So, so what he is saying here is that, yes, if you are living this kind I'm angry and I'm going to stay angry and I don't care what anybody else wants in my life. That's the way I am. That's going to be the character of my life. There's a good chance you're lost. But if you recognize because the Holy Spirit is inside of you, he's prompting your heart. He says, wait, you're an angry person. You got, oh, I don't like this, Lord. Please forgive me. Then you go up to Phil and say, Phil, I don't like the way you're wearing suspenders today. And oh, God, I did it again. You see, there's a difference between a lifestyle and a, a failure. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but that's not to minimize. That's not to minimize. It's not to, to go try it. You're not right. to try it. It's not to minimize. You need to examine whether you are in the faith or not. And I've told people that that evidence of being in the faith is the Spirit prompts you when you're wrong. I, ne- I could steal. I could do anything before I got... Oh, yeah, I was afraid of getting caught. But now, Daddy's watching. And there's a difference. Uh, yes. I don't think we have to ignore 
Yeah. Get back up. Yep. Exactly. And and get rid of that rock quicker. So the devil throws this imagination, this calculation in your mind. You recognize this, that this is not a good... Get rid of it right away. That's not giving him time. You know, the longer we dwell on the negative devil thoughts and the failures and the defeats, even if when you fall down and say, oh, God, forgive me, and the devil says, oh, he didn't forgive you. And you say, oh, God, what do I need to do? And, and you know, from my background, boy, penance and all those kinds of things would fit in there very well. And you, you can beat yourself up and make yourself useless. Say, so God says, I, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Bob? That's it. The Bible says in 1 John, I believe it is, that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. You know the Holy Spirit's inside. Yeah. A, a, a lost person would have a guilt by getting caught by his parents or something like this. But when you do that which is wrong, you have a sensitivity that's such a... a and the closer you get to the Lord, the more heightened that sensitivity is. And sometimes the devil uses that heightened sensitivity to bash you more. Most of us in here... And, uh, that have a love for God uh, just feel horrible when we do wrong. And guilty. Yeah, you feel guilty. You feel guilty. And, but then you come before the Lord and say, forgive me. And, and, and that word forgiveness in 1 John 1, 9 is He lets it go. It's not the grace forgiveness. In other words, it's not about your eternal life, but He's letting go of that consequence of that sin in your a life for the relationship with him. In other words, I'm getting right with daddy. When I say, Wayne, will you please forgive me? I'm getting right with Wayne. You see, and that's the same way with God. Okay? We need to go. Our time is up. I hope you will ponder these things. We went far deeper into some of this than what I had anticipated. But, you know, it says here, just casting down, throwing away, get rid of that, that thing, imaginations, those capitations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring in to captivity. What he's saying there, that word bring into captivity, the word captivity is the wandering mind. The wandering mind. Remember, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. That's what gets us in trouble. Our mind wanders away from the love of God. Bring it to every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Father, thank you for tonight. I, I know that we spent a little extra time tonight. and But there are some very important principles here in and, and I know we've heard them, we've talked about them, but now gain ownership. Help our dear folks here, help this pastor, all of us, Lord, to gain, and to, uh, to gain ownership of truth in our hearts. And don't let the devil have his way in our lives. Thank you for the, your love to us. May we each and every day grow in a greater understanding of your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.